I'd like to take a moment and thank our sponsor. If you have a laser device for training and you want to take it to the next level, or if you're looking to get into using a laser device for training, check out the products at laserapp.com. L-A-S-R-A-P-P.com. You can use code CSP2021 for 15% off the items you've selected. And thanks for checking them out. So now you've got your grip, you've got your grip pressure. The other thing you posted recently that I was, uh, or not, um, I don't want, I don't, maybe recently is not quite the correct term. I'm trying to find it. Yeah, it was throttle control. Mm-hmm. And you had just two weeks ago, you posted a video showing you had two steel targets. Right. And then you, you, and in the middle, you had a paper target. So you were having to, and they were at different distances. Correct. So, so you were not only dealing with different distances, but because the targets were different, you were having to change your visualization with that as well. 100%. But if you could explain what you mean by throttle control. So what throttle control is, is, is again, is, is that visual patience of knowing like how refined my sights or how refined my alignment of the gun needs to be to each particular target. So like in that throttle control video, I had a six inch wide by 10 inch tall, like basically a zone steel. So a rectangle, a zone piece of steel at about 25 yards. I had a paper target at about seven to eight yards right in front of me. And then to my right, was a 10 inch steel plate that I had at a distance of 30 yards. So, or actually 35 yards. So it's 25, seven and 35. So in each wow. of those, of course, gets a little bit different level of like visual respect um, to each particular target. So when I'm looking and, and none of those targets, and I shoot primarily iron sights, none of those, none of those three targets actually received like a hard front sight focus type of type of focus, but you know, between alignment of the gun to the target, I'm looking at the entire piece of steel. And then all I'm doing is superimposing the rear sight first. And I'm anchoring the rear sight to the target. So if my grip is established on the gun, the way it needs to be, as I move the gun to that piece of steel, I'm looking at that steel through my kind of through my periphery the rear sight actually cuts the target directly in half. And if I cut Mm. the target directly in half, where does the rear notch of the rear sight? Like if I'm utilizing the entire rear sight, most people think the rear sight and they just think about like the notch of the rear sight. I'm I'm talking about the entire three quarters of an inch wide by quarter inch to half inch tall rear sight. It's the largest aiming device we actually have on the, on an iron sight pistol. Yet it, Typically, in years past, we've always been told what? You need a hard front sight focus all the time, meaning that you're doing the majority of your aiming with the front sight, which is the smallest This is, it's the smallest aiming device you have on the pistol. Why are we doing the majority of our aiming with the smallest tool? That's like, that's like being, like say, in the middle of a, of a field and a guy walking up to you and saying, hey, I need you to dig a really deep hole here is a big shovel, but you're going to use that to just kind of fine tune the hole. You're going to dig the majority of that hole with this garden spade or worse yet, 
with this spoon, right? You would look at somebody and go, well, that's just preposterous. There's no way I'm going to dig this ginormous hole with a spoon. I'm going to do it with the larger with the larger tool I have at my disposal. This is exactly how we need to be approaching iron sight shooting. I want to do the majority of my aiming with the rear sight in my periphery first. And then basically I'm going to aim the entire gun or align the entire gun with my, with my hands to the target until I'm basically using the rear sight to kind of anchor the gun to that target first and foremost. So even on a six inch wide by 10 inch tall piece of steel at 25 yards, if I cut that steel directly in half, right? Immediately, I know exactly where to stop the gun because my, my rear sights, I, my eyes are used to seeing straight lines on everything, right? So I know what the sides of the sight look like. I know how the, the top of the sight is nice and flat. So it cuts that piece of steel in half. I can continue to look at the overall shape of that piece of steel. The rear notch ends up being directly centered on the steel. If it's centered on the steel, 75 to 80% of my aiming now is done. So while I can still maintain a target focus to that piece of steel, now peripherally, I can see where the front sight is in relationship to the rear sight. I don't have to go back and forth with my visual accommodation to like steel, back to front sight, back to steel, back to front sight to build that relationship. I simply superimpose the rear sight, the front sight follows. I've split that sight, I split that steel right down the middle. I'm sending the shot right there. When I move to the paper target, I'm anchoring the rear of the gun again, right? The rear sight directly to the middle of the A zone because now the gun can't really cut the entire target in half. The target now presents itself larger than the gun is, right? But if I'm looking to right. where I want the center, where I want the gun to stop at on the paper target, so it's steel and then bring the gun directly to the center of that paper target, my rear sight ends up being completely it just completely encompassed into the middle of the A zone of that seven yard target. If the front sight is anywhere in the notch, whether it's deviated all the way to the left, deviated all the way to the right, slightly high or slightly low. If the rear sight is in the middle of that A zone target, guess what I'm doing? I'm pressing the trigger. So I can utilize the sights more fluidly without a lot of extra like visual accommodation or changes in focus. Yeah, you're you're very rapidly but incrementally shrinking your target down and and rapidly putting so is there using that technique? I mean, I was gonna ask you earlier because you're like, you know, you don't do a hard front sight focus. And I was gonna ask you, so so what does and then listening to your explanation, I'm like, I mean, even on a far target, if you use that same technique. Mm -hmm. I don't know that you really need a hard front sight focus ever. Well, I'll say almost never. At, at, at 25 to 30 yards, I, I still utilize the same technique. Most people say, oh, wow, it's great. You know, I have a soft kind of a, what I call a soft target focus because I'm utilizing the entire target. What I'm not doing is I'm not, I'm not utilizing like a hard target focus. So I'm not looking at one specific spot on the target, like at distance, Right because now I've got to accommodate my vision all the way to that one pinpoint spot. And it makes it very hard to, again, superimpose the entire sights front and rear used together on an iron sight gun. It, it becomes very hard to superimpose those sights directly to that same spot without changing your visual accommodation. So even at 25 yards, I use that sight anchoring technique, rear sight first to cut the target in half, split the target right down the middle, and I'm sending the shot. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I, f I feel like you're basically doing what, what we used to teach in the Marine Corps with a scope rifle, which mm -hmm. is basically you're quartering exactly. your aiming area. Yeah, exactly. You're, you're bisecting or quartering the target. Exactly right. Yeah, okay. Very, you know, wow, I had never even considered that. That's pretty wild. So right. I have done a lot of a lot of study on this as well, right? I mean, and this isn't really a new technique. This is things I think a lot of um, a lot of more advanced shooters that have kind of gotten beyond just like when I say advanced, I don't mean like USPSA grandmasters or anything, but I'm talking about folks that have done a significant amount of say some some 18 to 25 yard pistol shooting before and have learned how to shoot like faster groups at say 25 yards. They're probably utilizing a similar technique, but they just don't realize that that's what they're doing. So I don't think anybody has really taken the time to kind of like brain dump the complexity or the lack of complexity of that particular technique and then learn how to convey that to somebody to teach a newer shooter. Like, hey, man, if you just do this, iron sight shooting becomes really, really simple. And then you don't have to worry about all those things where these excuses I hear all the time when people go to red dots, which is generally it's, you know, their, their number one excuse when they go to red dots is what, ah, oh, man, my, my older eyes can't seem to pick up the front sight as well. Or I have a really, re mm -hmm. and it's like, you shouldn't have really been trying to pick up the front sight all that hard anyway. Right. Well, Tim, if, you didn't tell me this when I picked up a red dot. It's your fault. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the thing is, right. You can, if you pick up a pistol, think about this. The typical size of a standard front sight on an iron sight gun is about between 27 to 35 MOA. Right? Okay. Okay. So your red dot pistol, what size dot do you use on your red dot? Well, my red dot is a, I want to say it's a five. Okay. And my green dot is a nine. Okay. So you use a significantly large, right, or pretty thick type of emitters, like reflecting that, that that dot on the back of that glass. Most people, of course, then would tell you what? Well, with a 9 MOA or a 5 MOA, you're not going to be as precise as you would with a 1 or a 2 MOA. So then you get a lot of shooters that, that complain about old eyes, talking about like, man, I can't really see my front sight in all of its glory anymore, so I went to a red dot. But then they 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 learn target focus or they learn how to target focus. So they're superimposing a two MOA dot, a teeny tiny little dot in between their, their visual focus to a target. And they tell me, man, I can make out that dot. When I find it, I make out that dot in 100% of its clarity. And it's like, you know you what? If, if you'd have been learning to shoot irons as efficiently as you're shooting a red dot, you'd have never had this problem with like not being able to see the front sight because of, vision issues. Most vision issues aren't necessarily a focus problem. You know, like astigmatism is a thing, yes. But like what typically starts to happen when we get older, as we all know, is our eyes start to lack the kind of the flexibility of being able to change visual accommodation from something far to something near or something closer to us or something large to something small, which is also visual accommodation, as fluidly or as efficiently as it did when we were younger. That's the very first thing to start to go in our eyesight. 
And this is why we need to pick up reading glasses. Generally, you know, first and foremost, we go from, mm -hmm, we go from 2020 or 2015 vision to like, man, now I've got like 20, 2030 vision, or I need a, I need a, like a, a reader's prescription. So I, you go to Walmart or you go to an eye doctor and you get what? Like a plus 50 or a plus 0.75 or maybe a plus one, like magnification of readers, simply to help your eyes to learn how to accommodate to something closer up, right? So generally you can see something from far away. And as soon as somebody puts something, you know, up close to you, what do you do? You go, you know, yeah, you pull it way far away because your dang <laughs> eyes can't accommodate to something that close. That's what goes away first. Well, your eyes would never have to worry about changing that level of accommodation if you stayed more target focused and just learn to superimpose the site's rear sight first to the target and just anchor the sights better. So you using that technique, do you prefer a wide or a narrow front blade? I, and I think that's a hundred percent like shooter preference. So okay. I will say as, as I was a little bit younger, I like to be a little looser on the sights. Um, most of my, most of my major power factor pistols have anywhere between a 90 thousandths wide to just a hundred thousandths wide front sight um, with a 125 thousandths wide rear notch. Um, as I want to see just a little bit more, I don't want to say a little less light bar between the front sight and the rear notch. I, I tend to prefer now more of like a, either a 105 or 110 thousandths wide front sight with that same 125 thousandths rear notch. What is that? Hmm. Okay. It just tightens up the, the, the picture basically between the front sight and the rear sight kind of tightens up the, uh, you know, like acceptability or the deviation between, you know, where the front sight is, you know, in relationship to the rear. So it, it kind of tightens that up to where now if I deviate the sight slightly left or slightly right, I'm still almost guaranteed an A if the front sight is in the, is in the rear notch anywhere. Again, peripherally. Sorry. Right. So just as long as you're seeing light on either side, you're precise. I'm sending it. Yep. I gotcha. Okay. And that makes sense. That I get. Mm -hmm. um, all right. Now, the next part of that is the transitions. You also did a video on that recently. Uh -huh. Two weeks ago, you did one. Same, almost like the same drill you did with throttle control, but you did transitions. Right. Um, now, when interesting, because I was going to ask you, what is your focus as you're shooting? Um, but when you're doing those transitions, how in one of your videos, I remember you pointing to a spot on the target and saying you're snapping your eyes to that point. Right. It, it kind of depends on what like what the distance is of that target. Right. Okay. So like targets, closer range targets, because I don't want to. I don't want to lose excess points by just kind of arbitrarily pointing the gun in like the general direction of the target. I need to find a little bit more of a refined spot to bring that overall sight picture to that particular target before sending that, before sending that shot. So I'm looking at the target, right? And I'm looking to a particular area of the target. So like if, if my, if my body, for example, 
had an A zone here all the way down. I'm not just seeing brown and then firing the shot where I would have the sight come in on the target and be early someplace and then kind of sweeping the gun across it and then trying to utilize timing to fire that second shot or I would end up with two, two Charlies, one on each side of the A zone. So I need to find a little more precise spot to know where I want to pause the gun to a particular spot on the target. So I'm looking like center of the A zone or if there is a no shoot target covering half the A zone, now I'm going to look at center of that A zone of the portion of the A zone that is available to me. And I'm going to bring the gun right to that particular spot, rear sight first. And as soon as the rear sight's there, I'm going to just fine tune it with the front sight as needed and fire that shot because I want to try to guarantee as many alphas as I possibly can. Right. Okay. That makes sense. But in order to do that, I need to snap the eyes to the target first. Right. So what I'm not, what I don't want to do is I don't want to have my eyes glued to the back of the gun and I'm trying to follow the gun from one target to the next. I want to be able to look where I want the gun to go next. That way I know exactly where to pause the gun to then fire a shot and then move the gun, like move my eyes again and then drive the gun to where I want the gun to go next. So now it's what always you first, then the sights. Now what you were just doing, um, is that how you train to do transitions initially was slowly eyes, then gun, eyes, then gun, eyes, then gun. Or? Yep. Yep. Okay. And then I'll utilize, I'll utilize trying to, to, to kind of like an internalize, like a cadence, right. In my, in my dry fire or in my live fire training. So in like, instead of trying to always focus on like, like shooting really, really fast splits, you know, bang, bang onto one particular target, I will, I will discipline myself to kind of slow the shots down on each individual target so that I can focus on where to move the gun from one target to the next, even through the presses of the trigger. So instead of one, two, three, four, five, six, where my eyes and my sights are kind of all on one plane and I'm focusing on like just double tapping each, each target with two shots, I want to see the sights lift, return, and then lift. As soon as they lift for that second shot, my eyes are moving to where I want the gun to then recover and recoil to the next target. So I'll focus on a cadence. So it'd be one, two, three, four, five, six. One, two, three, four, five, six. Notice my eyes now are ahead of the gun so that I can prick out precisely where I want to point the gun next. And then I'm utilizing that cadence just to learn how to get my eyes to work independently of the gun. I don't want them on the same focal plane all the time. I want my yeah, eyes to be able to pick out where I want the gun to go next and then feed that information to my brain so my brain can tell my body, hey, my hand need to drive the gun directly to this spot and stop the gun. Once the gun is paused or stopped there, I'm pressing the trigger because visually I've seen enough information to know, hey, this is going to be an accurate shot as long as I'm not you know, I, I'm not detrimental to how I'm gripping the gun or, uh, or managing the sights. Right. So, but it's, it's all just done with the eyes. Like I've got to be able to see it first and lead with the eyes, everything, whether it's leading the gun to a particular part on the target, whether it's like moving through a USPSA stage and I got to find or spot where I want my feet to go first so that I can more accurately get to that position with the gun ready to shoot targets. Okay. Um, shoot, what was I going to, I had something I was going to say, but, uh, anyway, um, so do you, 
so I, I assume then that you're when you're doing dry fire on your different size targets, because mm-hmm. uh, one of your videos was on, you know, you had the targets on the wall, you had the reload in the middle. Uh-huh. Um, so I assume then that you're using, you're combining that with the way you're quartering your target with your sights, and that's how you're confirming. And as soon as that second sight breaks, that second sight picture exactly. breaks and it was good, you're immediately snapping to the next one. Precisely. It's right. As soon as I'm, and I'm calling that just even in dry fire, I'm calling that with every single press of the trigger, right? So as I one, two, three, four, five, six, right? So it's as soon as I press that trigger that for that second time, I'm confirming what am I seeing a sight alignment wise or gun alignment to the target and confirming that was an alpha. That was a, Ooh, that was a Charlie. I started to pull the gun off a little bit or I allowed my left hand, right, to, to press the trigger a little too much. So my entire hand had an influence on the gun and I squeezed or drove the sights, but I got to be able to see that, right? So in dry yeah. fire, those are what I'm focusing on is every single press of the trigger. Can I guarantee those were alphas? So it'd be alpha, 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 right? And then if I go back the other way or I do a reload, once the reload is done and I'm bringing the gun back to that next target again, then I want to be able to see again, alpha, alpha. Now I'm looking at the next alpha, you know, the next A zone to drive the gun where I'm looking. And then as soon as the sights are there, I'm pressing the trigger twice again and calling in and, and confirming, did those sights stay aligned to that A zone of that target before then? And did I, can I guarantee that before then moving my eyes off of that, off of this sight picture onto another target to then bring my sight picture to where my eyes are looking next. So it's, I'm, yeah, I'm doing, and it's in my dry fire. I'm just, I'm kind of task managing, you know, multiple tasks together. So I go from shot calling to, you know, pressing the trigger or confirming that my grip is good as I'm pressing the trigger. And then also utilizing like that, that cadence technique, you know, to learn how to anchor the gun or utilizing cadence to get the, you know, to keep the gun in a, in a state of movement all the way across target to target. But I'm, I'm doing all of those things, shot calling, transitions, eyes leading the gun. Am I anchoring the gun correctly to each target based on its, its distance or difficulty? You know, am I able to guarantee that what I'm seeing on that particular target as I'm pressing the trigger would be a good A zone shot? Okay. Now, I, as I, I said earlier, I shot Del Marva this past weekend, um, and I've been pretty happy with my shot calling. But I noticed I did something this weekend that I've done a few times. And I made up an A with an A. I made That's up an alpha uncommon. with an alpha. So, yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's really weird. I don't know because I specifically, I don't normally, uh, excuse me, I don't normally walk around and check every target because I'm like, I know what my hits are. I know right. where I hit. So I don't, I don't walk around and confirm every target. That was the only target that I, well, that wasn't the only one. There were a couple of them, but that was one of maybe three that I walked up to mm-hmm. and when I walked up, I was like, son of a gun because I had an alpha in the middle, which I know was my first shot. Right. Then I thought my second shot was high and to the left because the dot went up and I didn't feel like the dot came down on the second before I pulled the trigger the second time. Okay. So I felt like it was still high. So I fired another one and it was, so the, the second one was right inside the edge upper left in the 
A zone. Okay. The first first one was in the middle. The third one was about was in between the two distance wise north, just a little bit east of the first one. So I was like, well, Shazam. But yep. I mean, but is that, there anything that, that that means honestly, that means that you successfully called your shots, right? Okay. Because you saw an anomaly. Something was yeah. off about that second trigger press that that made you second guess or made you doubt where that particular shot went, right? Either you lost visual acuity of what the dot or what the sights did the moment they started to return. You possibly prepped the trigger a little too early. It could be a number of things. Right. The fact that you observed it happening, right, and you confirmed that it happened, like as the gun is returning in recoil, and you fired that second shot and you went, nope, I didn't like that. That's a good shot call. That's To me, that's success. I would much rather have go down range and look at a target and be like, oh, man, I didn't really need that third shot. And, you know, somebody kind of make fun of me like, well, gee, Dave or gee, Tim, you didn't, you know, like, are you just going to shoot three on all of them that are accurate? It's like, well, no, I did not see where that second sight or where that first sight picture left the gun on. Right. So because I can't confirm it visually, I'm going to take a, I'm going to take a second or take a third makeup shot on that to, to fix it. So, and that's, that's, that's shot calling. Um, I mean, had you said, ah, I don't know that, that didn't seem like a really good shot and you didn't make it up, but you thought for, like you were hoping that it would have been an A and you'd have gone down range and looked at that one particular target and you'd have had an alpha and like a high left delta. Would you have been happy? That's what I was afraid of. Sure. No. Yeah. I wouldn't have been happy with that at all or worse yet. It had been an alpha and it was slightly over the right shoulder or left shoulder of the target. Now you're talking about an alpha and a mic simply because you decided not to take a makeup shot, even though you visually confirmed, I didn't see enough information from one of those two sight pictures. So you know what? I'm going to fire a third shot. That's successful shot calling. So I don't see that as a failure at all. I see that as a 100% success. Well, and, and as I walked away from the target, I was like, you know, when I, when I, when I shot it, I was like, it just didn't feel right. And I said to myself, no, you just didn't see what you needed to see. That's exactly right. So, so you did what you had to do. But then I was like, well, how in the world did I miss an alpha on the second, miss that confirmation that it was okay, but it is what it is. Doesn't, doesn't worry about it at the end of the day. Right. So maybe that, that particular target cost you what an extra 0.25, right? To fire a third technically unneeded shot on the target. Is it worth the 0.25 or 0.35 for that extra press of the trigger to guarantee the five points that you then guaranteed yourself? Or would it have been worth that quarter of a second or three tenths of a second time savings to basically lose four points or 15 points down because of a mic had you missed it. Right. Right. Yeah. I agree with that. So. Okay. What are you laughing about, Leo? (laughs) You're you're laughing about it. He's just like, yeah, I agree. Like, we're just reluctant. Like, he's giving you a compliment. He's like the hardest person to compliment. Like, good job. (laughs) Hey, man, just good job. You, You did exactly what you needed to do. 
You know, and like, he's he knows what he's talking about, Dave. So just be like, all right, good yes, job, he does. That's why. Yeah. That's why I asked the question. <laughs> if you'd have gone down range and looked at it, and there'd have only been two alphas on that target, and you know for a fact that your first one and your third one were those alphas, but there mm. wasn't anything else on that target, would you have felt relieved then? Yeah, I would. Have. I'd have had a totally different feeling when I walked away. I'd have been like, yeah, right. <laughs> Just because you had an alpha there, if it wasn't called, you know what? I've had a whole lot of uncalled alphas where I've gone down range, right? You know, or I don't need to go down range, but I have I have made up an A with an A, and I've had three A, three A's literally within the same like two inch group, and it's because I simply just did not see enough visual confirmation as the sight was beginning to lift for that second shot, or even for that first shot that I was like, nope, I didn't see it. I'm going to take a third shot. And you go down range all the time and it's like, <laughs> lo and behold, there's three, three alphas on that target. But because I didn't see the first one, I made it up. That's shot calling, right? And that's the, that's the great that's success in shot calling is when you didn't see it, whether it's there or not, you took a makeup shot to ensure that you saw everything that you needed to as you needed to see it. All right. I like it. That's the confirmation. And that's how you become a gang leader. <laughs> Shot yeah. calling, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so you use a phrase, Tim, that I find interesting because in that same video I was talking about, you talk about the site video that you're right? creating. What what do you mean? Because I was like, what is he, what exactly is he talking about site video? I'm curious. So site video, if, if you if you kind of stop to think about it, like anytime that we're actually like the, the term site picture makes me constantly, you know, like anytime you, you hear the word picture, what do you think about? If I just said, Hey, there's a great picture of you on the back of the wall behind you in your office there. Right. Without even looking at it, you know what I'm talking about. There's a picture of a guy spotting and there's a picture. I think it's probably you on the, uh, like behind oh the rifle shooting phone. Yeah. Right. But that Correct. picture, what is that picture? It is a captured moment in time, specific Correct. to one 20,000th of a second, right? It's it's a an absolute one capture of time. That's it. When you are actually shooting a pistol, you cannot capture that one split moment in time. It's just not necessary. You just can't. If I think about a sight picture, then that what I'm trying to think about is I need perfect. I need to see a hundred percent, like a hundred percent in focus, and I need perfect sights or perfect still dot to a target at the moment that I press the trigger and say that's a good shot. Right? Thing is, we are not shooting long distance. We're not shooting bullseye. We are shooting action shooting. Right? Where I don't need perfect. I just need acceptable, right? And a lot of times, yes. or the majority of the time, those sites are never perfect. The site picture is never a picture. It's never still. So a site movie is more like what I'm what I'm trying to record all the time. So the sites are constantly in motion to in relationship to the target. And then I'm accepting either... That is too, that's unacceptable motion on, you know, with the gun aligned to the target or, hey, this is acceptable motion of the tar of the sights to the target. And if I'm accepting that motion, I'm never trying to completely arrest that motion. 
It's the same thing as like trying to have that five MOA dot be a five MOA dot for every single press of the trigger on a seven yard target. Right? That's slow. That's super slow shooting. And instead, yeah. that five MOA dot at a seven yard target, if you're shooting 20, you know, 0. 0.20 splits, what's that dot doing? That dot is now a streak, right? It's in a constant state of motion. So your job then becomes to record a motion picture. As long as that streak is riding in the center of that target, am I okay to go ahead and press the trigger? Absolutely. Yeah. If the yeah. limit of that streak to the top, if the top limit of that streak is still within the A and the bottom limit of that streak is still within the A, if that streak is limited to within the confines of that A zone, I don't need to arrest any more movement to try to record a picture. I'm simply recording that movie as it's happening in real in real time. And that's, that helps to get people past that hurdle of I need to see perfect, I need to see perfection versus I need to allow myself to see acceptable. And acceptable could mean in a state of motion throughout the entire two presses of the trigger. It could be in a state of motion as I'm transitioning the gun to that next target and firing two shots and then moving the gun again. So in shot calling, you're not trying to record a sight picture. You're responsible to record that sight movie, which means as the sights are aligned and are start moving around, right? It to in relationship to the target. And then any and all motion in the sights as you start to apply pressure on the trigger and start to move or steer the gun around. Is that still acceptable motion? Or is it unacceptable motion? But your job better be to record that motion picture or record that movie as it's happening and playing out. I like that much better. That sounds much more appropriate for what we do. Absolutely. In action pistol shooting. 100%. Yeah. Okay. Glad I asked. Now, you also, there was one other thing you said that I wanted to talk about. Um which was in, in the video the other night, the live Instagram live you did, mm -hmm. you said something very interesting. You said you don't use a timer anymore and you don't chase par times. So I'm curious. Um, I wasn't able to hang around too long, so I didn't catch all of the reasoning why you, sure. in practice, you don't do that. Um, I don't do it much, if at all, anymore. So I do use a timer, simply to give me like to, to give me some sort of uh, like inoculation to the beep, right? To just okay. hear like, so I utilize this, the, like I'll, I'll put a timer like on a random start just to, to give me like that begin sequence to where I can start to drive the gun around target to target and things like that. As far as in my own practice, I, I chased par times for a number of years, right? Um, I think chasing part-times too much is terrible for your progress as a shooter because you start to focus on just chasing a part-time in your dry fire so much that you're willing to give up on the things that are absolutely positively without question, the most important aspects of your shooting, which is grip and grip pressure on the gun. And it's also sight management, your ability to be able to see alignment of the sights or alignment of to the dot to an appropriate level on the target. When we start to chase par times, what are the two things that we tend to do? 
We tend to let go of our ability to grip the gun as effectively as we need to. And then visually we start to, we start to accept that like, ah, I, we lie to ourselves, right? Like in an effort to beat that one second draw, that one second part time, that draw the first shot in our, in our dry fire. So we start running, we start running the part times down to like one second or 0.9 or point or 0.8. And then our only goal becomes, am I drawing the gun? Am I, am I throwing it up towards the target and I'm slapping the trigger and making the gun go click before that 0.8 of a second happens, right? And if we are, what are you seeing? What are you feeling? What information are you able to render from that visually and physically? Most of the time you're not. You're arbitrarily just throwing the gun out there with a terrible grip and terrible level of sight alignment to simply press the trigger and say, yep, I beat Steve Anderson's or I beat Ben Steger's par times that they've got listed in their book. I am now a dry fire grandmaster, right? But then the problem is, is we go out and we try to validate the work that we just did in dry fire. And we realize that our live fire times and our dry fire times are separated by about, about what, 25 to 35% difference in actual live fire times to dry fire times. So now don't get me wrong. I love me some Steve Anderson. And I agree that dry fire is where we, we pick up a majority of our skill is it's basically, you know, like with, uh, with good dry fire habits, um, and, and not being, not being, um, I, I can't remember the word I'm really looking for here, like not being bothered with recoil of the gun. Right. So I can just really right. focus on dry fire reps. However, right. as much as I love Steve and as much as he has brought to the dry fire community and helped shooters, I do have to 100% disagree with his theory that it is okay or acceptable even to have a difference of your dry fire and your live fire times being separated by 25 to 35% difference between them. I think that is patently false. If you've got a 25 to 35% difference in your dry fire times versus your actual live fire performance, then I would, I would submit to the courts, so to speak, that you are dry firing incorrectly. You're so focused on speed that you have allowed yourself to be very lacking in your ability to absolutely grip the gun the way it needs to be gripped or to see the sights or to, to see the sight movie as it's happening and playing out visually to you. Like you start, you, you tend to just let go visit physically and visually um, on the two most important features, uh, two most important kind of aspects of your shooting to try to just chase par times. And I did that for years. I have a walking example of how detrimental that can be to your to your training. So now anymore, I don't, I use like, I, like I said, I utilize the timer just to give me a start indication on when to begin a rep. But my reps for me are now finalized on other sensory. Did I visually see everything I needed to see when I, when I brought the gun to my line of sight? Um, did I, when I pressed the trigger, did the sights move an acceptable level or did they move an unacceptable level when I gave an input on the trigger to fire that shot in dry fire? Um, if I'm working on transitions, am I just 
again, kind of arbitrarily throwing the gun around and kind of going through the motions? Or am I physically seeing what I need to with every single sight picture as I'm pointing the gun to each individual target? And am I able to call those shots um, in live fire or in dry fire? If I'm drawing the gun and presenting the gun, am I just clicking the trigger to try to beat a bar time? Or am I really focused on technique? Like, am I gripping the gun the way I need to? Am I applying the, the correct levels of pressure on the gun to keep the gun from steering as I'm pressing the trigger? Am I visually seeing everything I need to from the sight and the alignment of the gun to the target? Those are the, the most critical and crucial things. In, in reloads, instead of utilizing a par time to just hurry up and try to throw the magazine in the gun, am I, like, again, I'm using other sensories. Did the reload sound smooth? Did it sound like the magazine was clitter clattering against the bottom of the magwell as I'm trying to hurry up and fight the magazine into the gun? Or was it just a very smooth, like, you know, where the magazine just feeds right into the gun and I'm able to build grip pressure on the pistol, right? So now I'm, I'm, I'm allowing, or I'm, my, I'm driving the speed of my, of my dry fire progress to be based solely on, was the grip correct on the gun? Was the hand placement correct on the gun? And visually, am I seeing everything I need to as I'm finalizing that rep with a good trigger press on the pistol? It's interesting you brought that up because we just we just interviewed Rob, and that one's coming out here pretty shortly. Rob Epifania, I'm sorry. Uh -huh. And um, I mean, he's known for very fast reloads. But it was interesting because he broke his reload down piece by piece. So his speed comes from having practiced the same motion, putting his arm in the same place every time, having right. everything, you know, um, marked the same way every time. So right. it's not just, it's not just a grab and throw, like you were saying, you know, right. he's one of those where he's broken it down. The guns, the, the, his shooting hand comes to the same place. His arm is indexed in the right spot. His other hand and finger right. are indexed and, and he I, has a point. On his hand yeah, where he goes. That's what to. I was going to so, say yeah. is he has those other sensory feedbacks to say yeah. like it because he, he's like, I can do it without a gun or a magazine because I know that if my finger touches here on my hand, that's where my magwell is going to be. And that's where my that's, magazine is going to be because I do it the exactly same right. way every time. Yeah. So I had he's like, I have other in sensory inputs, kind of like you're saying, right. like, I don't yep. need like I have. Right. I don't yeah, need a time. I don't need yeah. a timer to tell me whether that was a really explosively fast reload or not. And so right. I know Rob is kind of the, I don't want to say the up and comer. Rob has been around now for a few years, but I not not to toot my own horn, but like before Rob, I was the guy that was known to have like the really smoking fast reloads, especially with a single stack pistol. And that's been and that but that was that's exactly the way Rob and Rob and I've had this discussion before in the past too, is having those other sensories right in place to help lead, you know, the correct direction of how the gun needs to be reloaded. What do I need to see? What do I need to feel? How do the, you know, how does my hand need to touch, you know, that tactile spot on the, on the magazine in the mag pouch? Yeah. What am I feeling first? If that magazine is not in this hand correctly, it's never going to go into the gun in this hand correctly either. Right. So it's, it's utilizing all those other things. And guess what? They're not driven by time. They're right. driven by, again, all the other sensories, you know, touch, sight, 
and hearing. Like if I know a good reload, if that magazine, like I said, is just, it almost like doesn't touch anything around the magwell or around the, the frame of the gun. It's just simply like click, click as the magazine is just effortlessly put into the magazine or, you know, put into the magwell of the gun. Yeah. You know? And, and so and, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's the thing. Like, I, I think that ends up being the biggest detriment to a lot of newer shooters um, understanding of dry fire is they, they read, they read a book, right. And they see these par times and they're like, I just need to achieve these par times and everything else will work itself out. And it's like, you've been chasing par times so much that you've allowed your technique to completely fall apart. And that's why there's such a, a, a discrepancy between your live fire times and your dry fire times is because yeah, your you're dry in fire building time. training scars. 100%. As opposed to ridding yourself of those. And that's where the speed will come. 100%. I like it. All right. So my last big question for you is okay. next month when you're at nationals uh-huh. and the RO stands behind you and he says, okay, make ready. What does your make ready and visualization before you shoot look like? So I've got a pretty specific make ready routine. Um, when the RO gives me the make ready command, I'm, I've, I've, I've already visualized the, the stage, you know, multiple times, I, I got 20, 30, 40 times in my mind, um, you know, based on earlier walkthroughs and everything else, I will go ahead and draw the gun. So I'll take a, you know, just a, just a singular sight picture. So I'll being single stack, I'll cock the hammer, turn the safety on before I ever even pull the gun from the holster. That way I get that, like building the grip, turning the safety off as my grip comes together safety off. And then as soon as I align the gun to whatever it is I'm looking at or aiming, or just sometimes it's just aiming the gun directly out in just kind of no man's land. I want to see that perfect presentation of the gun. And then I'll press the trigger once. And once I do that once, I'll go ahead and load the gun. I do my whole make ready sequence. So I'll load the gun, chamber around, take that mag out, grab another magazine, put a fresh mag in the gun. So I've bonnied up around. I've got my eight plus one in the pistol. And then I will put the gun slowly back into the holster. I will keep my strong hand on the gun and I will utilize my right hand and start just like, again, one last visualization of, okay, I want to go to that particular spot on the fault line, right? So I got to get my right foot to that fault line. I'm going to look at that target. As soon as I'm looking up at that target, the gun has also come up in that same plane. As soon as the gun is aligned to the center of that target, I'm pressing two. I'm moving the gun. I'm pressing twice again. Now I'm going to reload or whatever I'm going to case may be. And I'm running, I'm running that down in a 15 or 20 second, you know, kind of like walkthrough in my mind to every single thing that I need to cue my eyes to see first and foremost. Once I'm finished with that last target, right. And I'm also visualizing the unload to show clear once I'm clear, hammer down holster and reholstering the gun. And then I've got all of that in place. I'll go ahead and then relax, you know, release my strong hand from the gun and drop my hands to their sides, or I'll raise my hands up to the, you know, to if it's wrist above shoulders or whatever the, whatever the start position is. And then the last two things that I'm thinking about are kind of my, kind of like my, my mantra, right. You know, or, or my, uh, my, my mission statement, so to speak. And my mission statement for me is, Grip the gun, manage the sights. Grip the gun, manage the sights. 
I'm saying that to myself every single time, two or three or four times repeatedly as the RO is giving me, are you ready? Stand by. And then I'm waiting for that beep, right? And then as soon as I hear that beep, I'm starting that exact procedure. So I'm lifting the gun from the holster. I'm finding the spot I want to go to first. The gun is up, ready to shoot. The moment that target's available, I'm thinking to myself, grip the gun, manage the sights, grip the gun, manage the sights. And that is the only conscious thought process I have throughout my entire space. I'm not thinking about go here, shoot these things, reload, go here. I've already done that 25 to 30 times on my stage walkthrough. So my visualization becomes just like that becomes almost subconscious. But my conscious effort is for me is on gripping the gun and managing the sights for every single press of the trigger. The moment I forget to grip the gun and manage the sights or the moment I forget to remind myself to do that is when I have uncalled shots and I need to then go make a makeup shot. Or I go, hmm, I didn't quite see that. Oh, well, right? And then I reload and move off to another another array. And then lo and behold, that's where the miss or the delta or the uncalled Charlie comes from. The moment right. that I let go of that conscious competence of what it is I'm trying to focus on. So I maintain a conscious thought process of like of what my shooting process is, which is to grip the gun, manage the sights. All right, cool. I like it. Leo, Good. do you have anything else? Who is your daddy and what does he do? No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding. Uh, no, no, I got nothing. That was awesome. Excellent. Yeah, that was I mean, unless good. you really want to tell us about who your dad is and what he does for a living. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's fine. I don't, I don't know if he would appreciate it or not. But, you know. <laughs> yeah. And you're shooting single stack next month, right? Yes, sir. Okay. So I'm bringing some extra ammo with me this weekend. Uh, tomorrow, like I said, I'm going to leave bright and early in the morning to head towards, uh, towards Prescott, Arizona. And I'll get to... Uh, my buddy AJ and I, like I said, we're gonna we're gonna spend the majority of tomorrow um, doing some practice together. Um, we only get to practice each other with each other three or four times a year, so I'm really looking forward to it. This will be kind of our good ramp up. I'm bringing about 500 extra rounds of ammo with me just for a really in depth practice session tomorrow with him, and then uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna kind of lay things out and kind of see see how I'm stacking up on things and make sure that I'm 100% prepared as a, as a traveling instructor can be to uh, hopefully right. do really well at the nationals next month. So. Cool. Now, how long is it going to take you to get to Prescott? Um, from my place to his, it'd be about six hour drive. So not too far. But okay. he's not flying. So. It definitely yeah, so not you can flying. take 500 rounds of ammo. Yep. Yeah. I can take 500 rounds of ammo with me. I can load the back of the car with all kinds of fun stuff. And yeah, it's going yep. to be a good time. Awesome. All right. Well, Tim, is there anything else you wanted to add or anything you want to plug? Man, I, I don't believe so. Um, uh, as far as plugs, you know, I always want to give a shout out to my sponsors um, and, and support that I've had for, geez, since 2000, 2017 and to now. I've, I've been very fortunate to be able to represent the same companies. Um, and those companies, of course, are Nighthawk Custom. Um, and Nighthawk Custom, uh, kind of, I think the, the, the greatest builders in 1911s right now there is um, and has been for a number of years. Uh, uh, Federal Premium Ammunition, Federal has been, a, has been a, a supporter of me and a sponsor of mine since 2016. 
and uh, has continued mm. to do so even through the uh, even through the kind of the rough patch of things that we've been going on over the last couple of years. Um, Springer Precision, um, Red Hill Tactical, they make my holsters. Dominate Defense has uh, it makes my inner and outer belt and belt rig. Um, Hunter's HD Gold, uh, that, that, I think that's the best iPro on the planet. And then, um, yeah, Go Fast, Don't Suck. Uh, so uh, <laughs> Bill Duda and the guys there, yeah. Bill uh, has made my jerseys every year. Um, and, and it was always, it is always like right on top of it. So my dry fire target, uh, kits and things like that are also through the, the go fast, don't suck store. Um, he's actually going to be making all of my new, uh, all of my t-shirts now, um, to represent Tim Heron shooting and things like that, that students will be able to go to go fast, nice. don't suck and be able to purchase those shirts as well. So yeah, Bill's That's been awesome. a, been a fantastic supporter of me for years. And I, I, you know, just, I, I return the return the favor on that as well. I mean, these have been great companies that I've built, you know, like I've not built, but I've built great relationships with over the last, you know, five to six years of time. And I'm hoping to, hoping to build a legacy with these folks, you know, for another 10, 15, 20 years time. So. Awesome. Yeah. And I threw your uh, website up on the screen there just so that people can go there and check you out as well. Awesome. I appreciate that. So yeah. I'd love to, I'd love to fill every class I can throughout this year and, and hopefully be able to schedule even more classes for next year and, and, uh, and, and teach, you know, for, for years and years to come. So that's, that's my number one passion and number one love is, is, is teaching even more so than competing. So. All right. Tim Heron shooting, check it out. I well, just wanted to, Tim. before we say bye, I wanted to make it clear to everybody that he's not a model. He just looks like one on his website. <laughs> <laughs> he's a very handsome man but that is not his day job i appreciate that yeah looking good is not like what he gets paid for it's just a perk <laughs> there you go all right well thanks for coming on tim we greatly appreciate it well, thank thanks you so much for you. having me again until next time don't be a little bitch yeah